Welcome to Life Church Podcasts. We know you'll be blessed by this message. Yeah. It's been a good morning, hasn't it? Yeah, presence of God. And uh, I, uh, I had two thoughts during the, uh, during the worship this morning. Uh, nothing, uh, I mean, I've had more than two thoughts, but uh, uh, there was nothing... <laughs> particularly prophetic or anything, but I just thought the presence that we are in, the, the very presence of God, like his spirit's in us. It is his, he is here, his spirit is here. And I know I said it last week, but that presence was enough to kill a man who had not been washed in the blood of the lamb. An Israelite man who was trying to stop the furniture falling on the road and being damaged, like you know, the, uh, it was, you know the cart was rough, and and, uh, and he reached out and did the did the what he wasn't supposed to do, but probably thinking he was doing the right thing, and whoop, and uh, that's the presence that's here. Like I, I, it's beautiful, but never forget how powerful God is. You know, never never forget how powerful God is, and. Uh, and uh, I love that song, uh, Give Me, uh, I don't know what it's called, um, Where My Help Comes From. I, I just, it's a beautiful song. And uh, 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 one of the verses there, Give Me Vision to See Things As You Do. And uh, we sang that a few times, and I just thought, uh, reminded me of um, Elisha's servant. Remember, they were surrounded, and he was. Uh, and, you know, and, and humanly, you could understand him being quite upset, like quite, uh, whoa, we're surrounded. Elisha said, Lord, just open his eyes to see what's actually really going on. <laughs> see the flesh things sometimes, don't we? We see the bills, we see the opposition, we see in our natural state. But uh, God opened his eyes to see something spiritual. There was a great host surrounding them. Whoa, feel better already. You know, like it was awesome, wasn't it? We need to be able to see that, how God is seeing the situation always. So can we, uh, can we ask you some questions this morning? Because uh, I believe I said, what did I say I would do this morning? Does anyone remember? So if no one remembers, I'll, I'll ask you to turn to the book of Acts. Yeah, no, no, no. Did I not say I was following on? Did I say I was following on? Part two, was it? Yeah, oh, I don't know if that's quite right, but, um, but uh, uh, if you turn to your Bibles, uh, we will preach about something this morning from, from the same place following on, yeah, sort of. I thought I'd better do what I said I'd do. I've done that a few times and couldn't remember what I said, so, uh, uh, yeah, a few problems with the memory. And if it's okay, um, who remembers Get Smart? Well, this is the old cup behind the speaker trick, okay? This is, uh, this is the Carlton cup behind the speaker. Praise God. It's an anointing on that cup, I tell you. Okay. Last week we spoke about being 
about, well, about us living under an open heaven. And uh, we read you the scriptures uh, from Matthew 3.16, when he had been baptised, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. I think it's uh, Mark or Luke's gospel says the heaven was opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And John's gospel, uh, uh, in John's gospel, uh, John the Baptist said, and he remained on him. He stayed on him. And that's the, that's the deal, isn't it? And, uh, and suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And... Uh, I just want to remind you that we do live under an open heaven. Uh, uh, it opened when Jesus died on the cross and shed his blood for our sin. Because sin's the thing which separated mankind from God's presence. They, they in the old, couldn't come into it like this. And, and even when it was in the ark, the Spirit of God, there had to be a certain distance kept, like it was all totally different and now I think we're very spoiled and we really need sometimes to think about what God has done and how the veil was torn from top to bottom. There was a way made open into heaven for us. By grace we can access the resources of heaven. They may not believe that so totally. But I, uh, in reading this this morning, verse 17, suddenly a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son, whom I am well pleased. Incredible words of validation. Amen? Incredible words of affirmation. Of uh, uh, It was Father saying, I believe in you, son. You are my son. I believe in you. I'm pleased with you. And... That was part of what Jesus did his earthly ministry on. He, he, he did it full of the Spirit. He, was, he had the same Spirit that we are able to have. And, uh, and, uh, but there's that affirmation, like, because he was human. You've got, you, you can't, you've got to understand that as a little three-year-old, didn't say, oh, well, I'm God, I've become a, you know. He, he just was a three-year-old. And, uh, you know, he went to school like he... I'm the son of God. Like at some st stage, I guess the spirit of God started stirring him. And, and, uh, but, but this was actual, actual affirmation to him. This is who you are. That he, Everything lined up. He, he, he thought that's what was going on. He knew. And, uh, but affirmation is just such a very powerful thing. And, uh, uh, and I, I am looking at this this morning... Um, in two ways, and this is only a little bit of what I want to speak on this morning, but I believe our Father validates us also as believers. Absolutely he does. And uh, I could take you to so many places where I could sort of teach you that this morning, but, um, uh, you know, uh, we'll say John 3.1, and uh, uh, John wrote there, Behold what manner of love this is bestowed upon us, you know, that we should be called the children of God. We're not just them out there, or what number are they? We are his children. Like, and, and it's special when someone is your children. Isn't, like, you know, how special are your children to you? 
and uh, how special are we to him? We are his children. And I think one that probably even, well, I don't know that it takes it further for me, but it certainly really, every time I get into John's gospel, it, it really gets me. Uh, chapter 15, verse 13, Greater love is no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. We read it on Anzac Day sometimes, don't we? Verse 14, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. So if we're obedient to him, he considers us friends. And like that's pretty close, is it not? Like we're servants, but we're friends. Like he lets us in the inner circle. And uh, we could go on and, and add to that by saying, you know, through our... Um, uh, obedience he reveals to us what he is doing and makes known to us what the father has revealed to him like we've been let in to the inner circle if you like we know things that people in the world have no clue about he shared them with us and no longer do i call you servants for a servant does not know what his master is doing but i have called you friends for all things that i heard from my father i've made known to you I, I just love that. God, God wants to validate you this morning. If you didn't know that, you're his child. You're a friend of his this morning, okay? It's close. It's personal. It's my God. I don't, when I pray in the morning, say, well, the God of all people, I, I, I come to you if you sort of know who I, I... It's Lord. You're my Lord. Amen? It's personal. It's beautiful. Like he affirms us. But I look at it the other way too. I'd love us to all to be affirmers, validators. You know, it's amazing the difference that can be made to one person's life who's struggling along if someone will just believe in them and say, I can see potential in you, young man, young lady. I can see what God could do through you. I could see how he could use you. That's better than saying, there's a bit of time you can get your hair cut. You know what I mean? Like, let's, let's, let's validate people. Let, let's build them up. Like, let's, let's you know, uh, uh, really, I, I, I just think, and, and with our children, because, you know, I, I, I know how children can sort of, you know, they can get to you at times, can't they? Um, the problem is with the problem is with uh, Mike. Mine are all here, so I've got to be half careful what I do, or might be having Christmas by myself somewhere. But I, <laughs> but sometimes they can wear you down, and you think, oh man, when will this kid ever get it? But I tell you what, it's good to speak the word of God into them. It's good to speak prophetically over them what God showed you. I I, I don't. Uh, I don't like the whole thing of saying, well, this is what you're going to do and this is what you're good at and you're going to do this. They can do whatever they like. You know what I mean? I just uh, I was reading the other day of uh, Mick Doohan's son, Jack, who's racing Formula 4 in England next year. He's just been in the World Go-Karting Championships. He's won an Australian championship in that. His dad was one of the greatest motorcycle racers ever. And I saw him interview and he said, yeah, but... Bought him a little go-kart when he was three and he's just driven the thing. He loved it. He's so good at it. And he had a, he had a little mini bike too, but he loved this better. So he said, I don't care. He's got to be him. Just because I was that, he doesn't, he, he has to be himself. And I thought, man, that's a good father. I mean, 
And so uh, I've never said, you will do this, you will do that. And I'm telling you, you can't do that. You've got to do No, 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 no. But sometimes God shows you things prophetically too. And I, I've spoken over both my daughters and my son, nursing them when they wouldn't go to sleep or something, saying, hey, one day you're going to speak the word of God. One day you're going to preach. I remember telling Steve he'd lead worship one day and he only just started playing the guitar. It was twice as big as him. He's up here trying to reach down there. I said, you're going to lead worship one day? And he looked like he was in shock. I thought he, I thought, think he thought I meant the following Sunday, but it wasn't, it wasn't that. But, but you know what I mean? Like, be careful what you say to your kids. Validate them. Speak the word of God into their life and... Um, yeah, I wouldn't even say they're not saved. I'd say they're not yet saved. Amen? I just see people as not yet saved. They're all potential as far as I'm concerned. Amen? And so that's part of the message this morning, okay? Let me move on to the next part. Temptation, testing, trials. Jesus was led to uh, by the Spirit down to the Jordan to be baptised by John and uh, the Spirit then led him out into the wilderness. Is that right? Does the Spirit lead you to such places? <laughs> yes, he does. Matthew chapter 4 verse 1, then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So there's a, there's a lot of ways I could have gone about this little passage of his temptation, there's three temptations there recorded that uh, Jesus went through, the type of which we will all go through uh, ourselves. And I, I, but I just wanted to speak about a whole lot of different things thrown in here as well. So again this morning, this is a bit of a, uh, uh, what do you call those... Uh, uh, trifle. There's a, just, there's a bit of everything thrown in, okay? It's not rubbish, it's a good word, but there's just a bit of, bit of everything thrown in here this morning. Some things that I think some of you younger Christians would uh, do well to know and understand and learn, and if it's, uh, if it's a case of stirring up your pure minds by way of remembrance, well, let that be so too. But there's just some things, and so uh, firstly, obviously, Jesus, number one, if you like, uh, Jesus had to be tempted by the devil because he came to earth to die for our sin so our sin could be forgiven and he rose again from the dead to prove that a human person could come back again alive. And because he succeeded at that, that is proof that one day millions of believers will rise again. Newness of life. Amen resurrection bodies. Everyone will rise again, actually. Uh, it depends where they've made the choice to go, isn't it? And, uh, and so he, he uh, not only did that, but see, by his death and his resurrection, he wants to give us victory over sin. You know, so it's not, well, his grace is there and we just keep sinning. No, he, he, we can get better. We can get over things that we once habitually did. Uh, he wants us to live in victory over it. And I know his grace is there, and I know his forgiveness is there, and I'm so very thankful for that. But he wants us to have victory over sin, over temptation. 
And how could he expect that if he, as a human, failed that? Wouldn't work, would it? Can you see where I'm going this morning? He had to be tempted. And uh, so the Spirit led him out there into the wilderness. And, uh, uh, you know, if, if he wasn't, well, you, this, you could write this one out of your Bible. The Bible wouldn't be there if, if he wasn't, if he didn't overcome sin. But, um, you know, Hebrews 4.15 would be a lie if it was in there and he had failed. And you know the verse well, this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses since he had the same temptations we do. He was human. Women were there then too, in case you didn't know, guys. Like, uh, you know, riches was there to be had too. Like there was lots of things and, you know, the devil offered him riches, didn't he? And just all the same things. Hey, got a deal for you. You do this and that and I'll sell you this and you take over that. And you could own half the state of Victoria given this and you could sell and you could make millions. But what does God want you to do? Like we, we, you know, we can get tempted. I've seen too many people with the lure of doing better for themselves and there's nothing wrong with that per se, get taken out of everything, you know. Just, uh, we just got to be careful what we do. Jesus faced all the same stuff, all the same stuff as us as we do, though he never once gave way to them, same temptations we do, never once gave way to them in sin. And so that's important to know. Amen? Number two, we will be tempted lots. You're not going to go, that Jesus didn't just have three temptations and that was that done with. On he went with life, never another one, never a bother from, no, 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 no. Uh, he was tempted lots. If you read Matthew and you read Mark, it says that Jesus fasted 40 days and then he was tempted by the devil. That's why it's good to read all the Gospels. I like reading Matthew and then Acts and then Mark and then Romans and then Luke, then First uh, Corinthians and then John. I just like going back and forth between them. It gives you an overall view of the whole lot of them. Because if you read... Um, Luke's version, in, it's Luke chapter 4, like Matthew is in chapter 4. Um, it's, Luke said this, being tempted for 40 days by the devil, and in those days he ate nothing, and afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. And we know then the devil came back and he had three biggies he threw at him. But he'd been going at him the whole 40 days. That's, it hadn't been just free of the devil, and you're never free of him. Yeah, you're hungry yet? Are you sure of this? So, you know, like just... And that's what he does. He just—he's got—he's useless, but he keeps—he does keep trying. I've got to give him that. And so, uh, and uh, when Jesus had not succumbed to these three temptations, if you read the end in Luke's gospel, it says, "Now, when the devil had ended every every temptation of this set <laughs> uh, of these three, he departed from him until an opportune time." That's what he does, isn't it? Doesn't think, oh, well, I'll go and, uh, yeah. and I'll talk about some of the things that can, you know, yeah, as we go through this this morning. But I find you will be more likely than any other time to be tempted or tested when you've had revelation from God and God's showing you something. 
or when you have made a statement that God, we are, I, I just feel you're wanting us to do this. We will do this. And then, mate, he, 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 that seems to stir him up big time when you do. I, I remember as a boy, you know, and I, I, uh, I, was, I started working and uh, uh, I didn't earn. I, I, I can tell you how much I, I earned. I was in, and I wasn't getting ripped off. This is just how things have changed because... Uh, I think I got eleven dollars fifty a week, uh, and I was given free board. And uh, when I started work, but to put it in light, back then you could buy a statesman for three thousand dollars. So it's not like it was today, but that wasn't a huge wage either, mind you. I just was working on a farm, and uh, and uh, my mother, my mum was a terrible lady. She always, she, no, no, no. She she. She just knew how to upset me, you know, like she said, yeah, are you giving? Do you give to the Lord? And I said, what do you mean? Like, I'm only a kid, you know. She said, no, no, you, you're earning money. <laughs> she just wished she just wouldn't talk to me about those things, you know. And, I, and the, see, when she did that, God talked to me, you know, and I just knew that yeah, and so I, I read my Bible, I wasn't silly, and I I settled on the tithing way of doing I thought, well, I think that's pretty fair. If they tithed under law, surely I can give that in the new covenant, like I come to that conclusion as a 14 and nearly 15-year-old. And so I, 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 it hurt, it hurt, like it was hard, it wasn't, I'm tithing, I remember the offering. We used to have a little bag passed along the seat, you know, and and uh, we we come out and by faith, man, we sow. But uh, yeah, the bag would come along, and I remember it was very hard to let go. I remember Rodney Howard Brown talking of people holding on so tight to their ten dollar notes that the Queen would cry. You know, they were holding us so hard. But uh, uh, it was a bit like that, and to actually let it go, it was like my fingers would hardly work, and in it went to the bag. And <laughs> but. Um, yeah, the, I did that for a couple of weeks and the boss said, mate, you've been doing a really good job and blah, 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 and he gave me this bonus. And I thought, mate, this is, this is great. This is, mate, I believe in tithing. Yeah, praise God. And then I got into all sorts of trouble. <laughs> I got, yeah, I mean, I'm not going where I, what happened to me, it was all my own fault, really. And uh, the problem that has clung to me all of my life but I got into trouble for <coughs> uh, my method of driving and uh, I got a large fine and I was in all sorts of trouble and then you've got to go to church and put your money in the offering and I've got to, I'm trying to pay this fine and just it was hard and God will test you on it because you've got to do it in the good times and the bad times. It's the same with praise and worship. It's great when you're doing well just to sing, how great is our God, you know, it's awesome. When you've had a week from hell, it's a lot harder to do that. But are you going to praise him anyway or what? Because that's when we need to do it, you know. So when you get revelation, you will be tested. I guarantee you that that will come, some form or other. And uh, so you'll be tempted lots and it won't stop. I just want you to know a couple of things about the devil. Is that okay if I talk about him this morning? And his demons and his principalities and his powers and, and whoever they all are, they were, they were beaten at the cross. 
They were defeated at the cross. I just want you to know that they were, there's no argument about who won. You know, sometimes after a boxing match and, and they hold up one's hand and they argue, oh, I think he ran seven and eight and he might have lost round nine, but I reckon he won round ten and should have won. And the other bloke, no, I landed more punches in round six. And they get a points decision and it's disputed, so they have another fight. Well, there isn't going to be another cross, okay, because Jesus won on the cross, okay? And uh, I, I love Colossians. Uh, it's a great book. I love chapter 2, verse 14. He cancelled the record of charges against us and he took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed principalities and powers. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Okay, I just want you to know he is a defeated foe. And I think the devil's got about as much power as we let him have. And some people fear him and uh, I've known Christian people to be under attack by the devil and they're very fearful of him and I'm not stupid but I have no fear. Because, you know, if I drop dead now, I mean, I'm not hoping to. I'm sort of hoping to make it home to lunch today in all probability, but I know where I'm going. Like, he's beaten. Can, I don't know, I could scream. I'm not, I'm not a yelling sort of hellfire and brimstone preacher. If I yell, my voice will go and I will have nothing left. But uh, he's beaten, folks. He was, he's a defeated foe. Okay, you've got to know that. Uh, James says, submit to God. Always read that bit. People say, resist the devil and he will flee. It's good to read the first bit. Submit to God, okay? Be obedient to God, like that's, that's, that's all there. And submit him and he will flee. And, and so, you know what the best way to make him flee? Stick a worship CD in your car or wherever you're doing. Just, just get and start worshipping God. That's that money don't like it. There's some music that makes me run. Like I've got to tell you, you know, I, some of the young fellas get into some stuff and, man, oh, man, God help me. I've got to get back and put Bob Dylan or something on that's a bit more, you know, <laughs> that'll make you run probably, yeah. I mean, but I tell you what, you worship God and, and he, he don't like hanging around. If you, if you want to resist him, that's a great way of doing it. You can pray and do all that too, but worship, I've found, is a really, really, really good way of doing that. So that, that was number three. We'll be tempted lots was number two. Number three, uh, just some things we need to know about the devil. Number four is another thing we need to know about the devil. I don't know how that all works out, but I'll give you some rough idea of where you're going today. He's not omnipresent. Did you know God is omnipresent? God is omniscient. He knows everything. I know some teenagers think they do, but they actually don't. But God knows everything. The devil doesn't. That's why what we speak at times is very important, because the inner thoughts you have in your heart, God knows. There is nothing about you God does not know. He knows what you're thinking. He knows what you would say if you said it out loud. The devil doesn't know that. And so when you say, oh, I'm feeling miserable today, oh, I, don't know if I can 
keep going. You think, okay, okay. Come on, come on. We can, we're working here. This is good. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, just, yeah. It, it, sometimes it just pays to speak the word of God and do, you know. Because he doesn't know. He's not everywhere. And he doesn't know everything. And so when, I guarantee if you went around churches today all over the world, you'd probably find a million people that say they've been under attack by the devil. But he's not a, there's not a million devils. There's one devil. There's a whole heap of demons that he has. So when we're getting stirred up and that, that's most likely what's going on. I just thought I'd throw that in. It'll be a team member. How would you like to be a member of his team? Absolutely thrashed at the cross and they know what is coming. I suppose all you can do is mess up as many people or whatever you can do. Just scratch and kick and fight and make as big a mess as you can because they know what's coming. That's about where they are, isn't it? But I just wanted you to know that about him. And uh, did you also know, number five, that uh, uh, we've been given power over the devil and his demons? You know, like I love the scriptures out of Luke 9 1, called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons to cure and to cure diseases. 10 18, he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Praise God. Matthew 28, go read the end of the chapter. All authority is given unto me. Therefore, go into all the world and do the gospel under his authority. We've been given authority, folks. Amen? Yeah. What would you do today if you come home and someone was in your house? Just asking. Great idea. You wouldn't say, oh, um, oh hi. Um, um, yeah, um, what, what are you doing here? Robbing your house. Oh, dear. Um, um, oh, well, um, well, w- would you mind going, please? Like, uh, I mean, you, you wouldn't do that. Would you say, what the heck is going on? Get out. Like, you'd, ring, you'd be on the phone to ring the police. You would be, like, it's not your... They've got no right to be there. Like, we need to understand sometimes. We put up with a load of rubbish sometimes. We need to tell them where to go. We've been given power over them. Remember Smith Wigglesworth? And, and, he, and I'm glad I'm not alive, wasn't alive back then in the turn of the last century when he was going because he was a plumber. And he didn't hop in his plumber's van and his big four-wheel trailer and everything and go to the job. He had his toolbox he had to carry and he'd catch the bus because they didn't have cars back in those days, you know? And, uh, and, and so he's got his toolbox and he's waiting for the bus and a lady come out of her house and started walking up the street and the dog followed her. He says, go, go home, go home. Oh, please, go home, you know? And she walked back and come out through the fence and followed down again and she... And, and she's been, oh, it's a bit like Pam with, with Kate's ball that day. Yeah, please. This Pam has given a little tap with a little stick this long. Try and make it walk back to Kate's house. And I said, Pammy, hit the thing. Get it walking. Oh, I can't do that. Please. And, oh, he thought it was a scratch on his back, I think. I said, you get on this ATV, you can drive it. Pam, put it in D and put your foot down. 
And I got a big lump and I went whack and whoa, mate, he took off. And you gotta, you gotta show him who's boss, don't you? And it might sound funny, but I'm telling you what, folks, we've got authority over him. Use it, amen? Yeah, we really need to take authority and use it a whole lot. All authority. Jesus, you know, authority, you get author out of that, don't you? Jesus is the author of life. He's the author of salvation. He's the author of healing. You know what the devil's the author of? He's only, only written one book, the book of lies. So is that help this morning? I just, just want you to know who your opposition is. Praise God. Number six, knowing the word and using it is the greatest, one of the greatest weapons we have. The word is powerful. Matthew 4.3, let me read you some verses here. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written. And he not only said it is written, he quoted, he knew it. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So there was no arguments. He didn't have to scream and rebuke him and do all. He just quoted the word of God, clear as argument over. So he said, well, take him up into the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. That's what I'll do, says the devil. That's my version. Verse 6, and he said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. What did Jesus, uh, and he, said, he quoted too. For he shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. So he quoted it, but he used it wrongly. And Jesus knew that he did. So you've got to know the word. The devil knows the word. Don't, don't worry about that. He's had a read. <clears throat> yeah. And, uh, excuse me. So verse 7, Jesus said to him, it is written again. So I hear what you're saying, devil, but you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Move on to the next one. Can't beat that, can you? He beat him by his use of the word. When you're sick, remember, remember him saying when I was in hospital, I know I talk about that, but that was a bad time in my life. And uh, I just, yeah, I just said, oh God, you'll never preach again. But yeah, but the Lord is my healer. Amen. By his stripes I was healed. You've got to know what to tell him, otherwise you'll go under. The word is very, very powerful. It's a very powerful weapon. He, he would love to divide you and the word. That's why, and, and, and I'm, I wouldn't claim today to say my doctrine is 100% absolutely to the dot correct. I think it is pretty good. I, 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 I would be very careful what I preached. I, I, I think it's pretty good, but I know as a younger man... I just went through all the scriptures and if there was something I couldn't understand, I tried to work out what it was talking about or what it meant. Lord, show, you, show me what you mean and God has shown me some incredible stuff. As when you get credential with the Assemblies of God or whatever we are called now, I can't think of the word, uh, ACC, uh, it sounds like the SEC. But anyway, I like the old one better. But I... Um, 
you got, you got to do statements on 13 questions that they ask you. And they're, and they're, they're heavy going, I tell you. And I, my problem is I don't write well. I can write you a song very quickly if you want one, but an essay is uh, much difficult for me. But uh, the top guys in the state said, you have not been to Bible college, and no. They said, you are this remarkable. Like, uh, I know just God has shown me stuff, and he has since that time too. But you need to know, because if there's something you don't understand, it's a chance for the devil to get in between you and the word, and I don't ever want that to happen. I want to know what it's talking about. Oh, it says this. Oh, it does too. Oh, well. I mean, people are supporting uh, the yes vote by saying Jesus loves people and wants them to be happy. He does, but you've got to understand what the word says. Amen? You know? Yeah. Anyway, that's enough of that one. I'll run out of time, won't I? Uh, Number seven. It's important to know who you are in God. See, Jesus had a word. You're my beloved son. And I'm well pleased with you. And so uh, when the tempter come to him, you know what he said? If you are the son of God. And, and in verse 6, when he come to him again, he said, If you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. If you are. It sounds a bit like, did God really say that in Genesis, doesn't it? That's what he tries to do. He tries to get you doubting who you are. And if he can do that, he'll get you in trouble. And that's why you need to know the word of God and you need to know what it says about you. You're a child of the king. You're a friend of God. Amen? You are filled with his spirit. You have authority over the devil. need to know it all and you'll do well. Praise God. Number eight, I'll be very quick promise you, be on guard when you're sick, tired or physically weak. That's a great time for him to come. When your natural defences were down. He had a go all the way through 40 days with Jesus and then when Jesus was really hungry and that time was over, guess who comes back? Yeah. Why don't you make some bread? You know, like... When, when you're tired, when you're weak, it's just the times when it leaves, leaves you open if you're not careful. We get tired, I know that. I know, I know times we get sick. But, um, you know, Pam and I had not last week, the week before, we were so sick it wasn't funny. That sick I had to even cook on Tuesday night. So, so uh, yeah, we're still here. The grace of God. I did wonderful fish and chips for me. Pam couldn't eat anything, but uh, tell you what, yeah, got to watch it when you're tired. Number nine, let's finish on this. Jesus' testing was a part of readying him for what his call was on earth, what his purpose was. Came, he had sermons to preach, he had religious people to deal with. He, he, his 40 days was, you know, as he fasted, there was so much prep put into him at that time. And uh, just him and the Spirit of God out in the wilderness with the devil poking his nose in all too often. But, uh, you know, 
if God's called you to be or do something in him, and even if, you, even if the call of God on you is to be a mum or a dad at this point in time, like, there's prep time for all that. You know, there's prep time for that. When I was growing up, I lived in a lot of other families other than my own, and I knew when I was seven that when I got old and got married one day, I don't know why I thought I would, but apparently I thought I would, I knew I didn't want to live in a family, I didn't want to have a family like what I grew up in. I knew there were families that I lived with and there was just peace there. There was just grace there. There was just, things were done so much differently. I knew what I wanted even then. All our life is prepping us for the next step ahead. And we've got to go through the journey. And you know, I knew as a kid God had called me to ministry and then I met Pam and we had a word, of, of, like Gary Watts, a fellow spoke very directly over us and said that God's calling you into ministry. I thought, well, what do I do now when I'm 17 and I got a word like that? I didn't know what to do. And, uh, but I just know all through my earth moving days and my farming days, God was preparing me for what I'm doing now. And uh, Apostle Paul got miraculously saved. Is there any other way but that? I guess I should say, but he got saved and God clearly called him. Like he said to Ananias, you go and tell him he's going to be an apostle to the Gentiles. I've called him, you know. So he started preaching and having revival meetings all around the countryside. No, you would think that, but if you read all the books, you get into Galatians chapter 1 and you'll find that he spent three years out in the desert, out in the wilderness. Just him and the Holy Spirit. And so I don't really care how many wilderness times we have, and we will go through them because they're very good for us in actual fact. And I don't really care how bad they are. I think what matters is what we come back with. If we come back scarred and I'll never be the same again, the devil just kept going at me and I'm, I'm done, I'm finished, I don't know what to do. I mean, Jesus didn't do that, did he? Just got baptised the other day and now I'm out in the desert and the devil's over. I can't do this. Can you send me pastor out, please, Father? You know, like it just... You've got to understand. It's what you come back with. Let me read you this. Luke 4.1 Then Jesus, being filled with with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. We know what happened. Luke 4, 14, then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. Doesn't sound like a messed up man, does it? He returned in the power of the Spirit. He went out full and he came back fuller. He had lots to give out. Amen? Paul came back from the Arabian desert with Romans and Galatians and Ephesians and Philippians and Colossians and and uh, uh, what on earth comes next? Thessalonians and Timothy and Titus and Philemon and yeah, it's what we come back with that matters, doesn't it? Let's stand. Let's stand. You've been listening to Life Church podcasts. For more information, head to lifechurchbanella.com. Dot au.